Welcome to the post-draft edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. Ben Brown, your host, joined by Eric Eager. As always, uh, we're going to, you know, we basically kind of found our rhythm betting a little bit throughout the draft year. Uh, there were some nice opportunities in some of those multi-way markets. They moved pretty drastically. So I think if you can kind of pick your spots correctly, get on some of those plus money odds on a few options when the when that favorite doesn't actually come through, uh, you end up making a decent amount of money. That happened, you know, at the third overall pick for us with Trey Lance, Justin Fields kind of being the side we were on. Uh, and then like the favorites that we kind of bought into as well ended up coming through at both the fourth and fifth overall selection. So, um, you know, kind of any time you're going to do some sports betting, it kind of comes down to finding that correct balance favorites, some dogs that you actually like. So Eric, talk to me about, you know, a couple of the things that you may have learned coming out of the draft here at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think the, the you want to get and this is obviously easier said than done than done but you want to get on the right side quickly i mean i look at the first bet we placed all draft was on february 24th we we bet zach wilson second overall minus 167 that closed i believe at minus 10,000 so again that was one you sweated out a little bit on draft day um but it ends up you know making it through we had Jamar Chase just a few days later at minus 149 to be the first wide receiver taken. That one was a little sweatier because, uh, you know, if the Bengals don't take him, Jalen Waddle might have been the choice of the Miami Dolphins no matter what. Yep. Uh, but that one we got at minus 149 closed uh, by minus 1,000. Um, we did, you know, eventually, you know, uh, we, we had a, a decent amount of fields at plus 250. Uh, that one didn't hit, but we got some Lance at plus 300. Um, and then as the day progressed, there were some really stale lines once it became apparent that, that Lance was going to be the pick and, you know, took stuck our neck out a little bit for those. I think we had, a, a what, a Lance at plus 110, you know, well, well, well into the time where Lance was painted minus 200 uh, on the whole minus marketplace. So, again, it was a, a good time to have some outs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think we were up, what, 30, uh, 30 and a half percent. Uh, on on our on our bets um, but again as you said sometimes it's just a matter of one or two plays that swings it in that direction uh, but it was a good time and I think you know what I would say we learned um, is obviously you know making you know you can't take anything too seriously here um, you know right. as far as like the information I know um, a lot of people thought that the the, the Mac Jones stuff was credible um, and it could have been like there is a very good chance that uh, the reporting that they got was, you know, was accurate and the Niners changed their mind. There's also a really good chance that the Niners were lying to them. And there's also a really good right. chance they were making it up so that the ratings uh, for the third pick, uh, you know, because the first and second pick were locks, uh, that they, they still had people on the edge of their seat for that. So, you know, in all these things, it's it's good to sort of talk about the odds. It's good to talk about the probabilities and make inferences based on those. It's not good to talk about things as though they're locks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you touched on a really good point. I mean, the Adam Schefter, you know, basically saying that Mac Jones, he would be shocked if it wasn't going to be him at three. That happened so far in advance of the process that it just seemed like something that you really had to take with a grain of salt, even though it was coming from Adam Schefter. But kind of like being able to read those tea leaves, uh, you know, distill the information and kind of, you know, make your own decisions based on what's actually coming in, I think is, you know, obviously a really good skill set to have in sports, but I think the draft only amplifies it. So, um, but I don't know. I had a lot of fun. So we get actually some decent 
uh, markets coming out here from DraftKings Sportsbook. We knew we now have week one starting quarterback for each team. Uh, the Bears, 49ers, and Patriots. It looks like basically everyone's assuming that Trevor Le- Trevor Lawrence is going to start for the Jaguars, Zach Wilson for the Jets. So we got, you know, the next three quarterback, the next three quarter teams that drafted, uh, you know, that those top five quarterbacks, they all kind of have at least some questions. I think Andy Dalton, Justin Fields basically has the closest odds for who's actually going to start. Are you seeing any value maybe at, you know, Mac Jones at plus 500 to start for the Patriots? Cam Newton basically says minus 400 favorite at this point in time. Do you think there's any value on uh, any of these opportunities, Eric? Well, I think, you know, another thing that we learned in the the process is like laying, and this is something you should have, we should know from just betting NFL games in general, laying minus 300, laying minus 400 is just not a way to continuously make money long term because you lose one of those and you got to be right on a bunch of others just to make it back. So there's no way in hell I'm laying minus 305 to bet Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, to start for for Niners opening day. There's no way I'm laying minus 400 for Cam. I mean, the thing with Cam that's so like such a lightning rod issue is like Cam was playing terrific football until he got COVID, and right. he was playing terrific football in 2018 before he got he injured his shoulder. Like he's a good football player, and if it was just an amount, it was just down to that. He's a probably a lock to start for you know for New England, but there are no such things as locks, right? And the reason why is because. Right. He could get injured in the preseason, much like he did in 2019, I believe. You, he could, you know, get COVID or get some other st- – like, there's a number of things as to why my, laying minus 400 this time, you know, is just not great. Do I do I want to go Mac Jones 5-1? to one? So, does he have a 17% or more chance to, to win the starting job? I think that's probably the best bet of all of these. Right. Um, you know, I think Dalton and Fields, you know, Dalton minus 167, Fields plus 160, I think that's probably fair. I think Nagy, having learned from his time in Kansas City, is going to want to see Fields sit behind a veteran for a while. But, again, I'm not laying the 167 with Dalton here. So I do think the best bet here is probably the one you highlighted, Ben, which is Mac Jones plus 500 to be the first quarterback to start, uh, or to start week one for the New England Patriots. Yeah, I like that as well. I mean, and, the, and we kind of touched on it previously, but I think if any of these coaches is going to keep it as close to the vest uh, throughout even the preseason on into week one, I think it's definitely going to be Bill Belichick. So I think even from just a betting perspective, trying to get the best number, I do think Mac Jones, if we see these markets, you know, continue to be offered here as we get into week one, I do think Mac Jones is probably going to be significantly less, uh, you know, chance, or he's going to have a significant higher probability of starting uh, than what he does right now at plus 500. So I do think that's probably the best spots, even though, you know, we've basically been anti-Mac Jones uh, throughout the entire draft process. I think now is the time to probably buy into him a little bit here, um, at least from a starting perspective for week one. So we'll see. I know that you are going to Eric. Eric, you are going to uh, <laughs> basically the Mecca at this point, uh, Vegas this week, locking in some futures bets. If you were forced to basically choose you know, two or three, you know, futures bets, win totals, divisions. What are you locking in this weekend, Eric? We got to hear it at this point. Yeah, I got to tell you, Ben, I'm not doing that much futures betting because as anybody who's like, and, and this is something I always want to talk to with George on the forecast, he has not been as open-minded as you about this. So I'm going to talk, talk with it uh, on this podcast. Like the currency uncertainty that sports bettors have to deal with now makes futures betting far less of a, a good thing, right? Like, you know, right. tying your money up for that long 
Um, you know, let's say, let's say, you know, this time last year, what was Bitcoin this time last year? It was like probably, it was up to 10 it was by now, 18,000? Right? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it might have been around yeah, 13,000 or something. When we took our money out of our, our sports books, it was three grand. Um, and then you okay. just let it sit there, right? Like you're getting, you know, by if you would have done that and kept it until now, you're getting uh, 20x return, right? And there's almost no right. futures bet that you're ever going to make that that is going to be a 20x return other than a long shot, right? So, like, uh, you know, if you're going to do it for fun, that's great. If you do see a huge value, that's great. But you have to know that right now, you know, e Ethereum, for example, like could like quadruple in value over the next like you know, we, we're talking about May right now, all the way till January or February. Like, so that, that you have to weigh that into when you make a futures bet. Um, on, on the flip side, right. it could have in value, right? And, and so, you know, there, there's opportunity costs to all these. So just take keep that in mind. Like, I'm not gonna be as loaded on futures um, in things that are other than credit, you know, like, and we have some offshores that, right. that, that work in credit. But um, to me, like a couple of futures I like, I like, Trey Sermon, 25 to 1 to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, I do like, even though this has gone down a little bit, I do like Matt Ryan at 33 to 1 to win the MVP. Um, and if I'm if I'm doing any sort of team future right now, um, Ben, I, I sort of sent you our sheet. We've gotten a lot of, of good line value here. Um, but one thing that you do have to consider, in my opinion, and this is kind of a hedge against the Sermon bet, though, the Niners are plus 144 to miss the playoffs. Like, I haven't seen a team that's drafted a quarterback plans on playing one right away have, you know, basically even money to miss a playoff, you know? So that's, that's one I do like, um, this is sort of a hedge against, um, you know, some of the things I've said, but also the chargers are plus 149 to make the playoffs. I, I kind of like that at this point. Um, and if I have to look and I, and I'm going to do this, even though it's gone up a little bit and it might make me look a little bit square, um, but I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons over. It's now seven and a half, but now you're getting minus one ten. You're no longer having to lay the minus one forty. I think the Falcons are at least an eight win team this year out of seventeen um, in a division where I don't think Carolina got much better, and I don't think uh, the Saints have got much better. So those are the ones I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on. But again, um, you know, I you know when we're there and we're going to talk about this in a second, I might be just betting FCS because again. Uh, right. the, the currency uncertainty, although it seems to be uh, something that changes within the hour, um, will be far less so, uh, you know, uh, over that short time frame. PFF is always looking out for you, partnering with some of the best opportunities in the sports betting landscape. Um, my favorite here has been Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. -L. Basically, the stock market for sports, they allow you to trade sports teams uh, like the stock market. You can earn cash payouts when your team wins. Um, it's kind of been this interesting blend between the stock market um, and a way to actually invest and profit off of your favorite teams. Free NFL free agencies obviously uh, changed some things in the symbol markets. Some teams have risen. Obviously, the Washington football team uh, with the signing of Ryan Fitzpatrick have been on the move um, from a symbol perspective. But there are some undervalued teams that I still think are going to make some splashes here uh, post-free agency coming up on the draft. 
teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously going to have Trevor Lawrence, but they're a team that had, you know, a pretty productive free agency as well. So I do think it's a spot where you definitely want to get involved in that stock market uh, game. Use promo code PFF. If you deposit $10 at Symbol, um, you're going to earn a free PFF annual subscription. That's promo code PFF with a $10 deposit. Symbol.com going to get you a free annual subscription. Yeah, yeah, the markets that never close basically do offer offer some optimal sweats at this point in time. So who knows? But I can't I can't necessarily uh, you know fully endorse things like Doge or Dogcoin at this point in time. But I do think you know there might be um, some benefits to at least understanding you know the time value of money and what Eric actually just talked about here when you're when you're considering tying up some of that capital into some of these windows. I definitely think it should be you know part of a consideration. Um, but I definitely agree with you. I do still really like the Falcons over seven and a half minus one ten. You're obviously not laying as big of a price, so um, I do agree with you. Would you rather have the 49ers at under ten and a half or to miss the playoffs at this point in time? Because I kind of lean towards an under ten and a half. I do think that the NFC West is going to be a really tough division. I'm not seeing uh, really any team probably get over 10 wins at that point in time. Do you, uh, what one would you actually like at this point? Well, I think just price's sake, if you're going to, if you're going to go under 10 and a half, the Niners, it's minus 150. So you're laying a big price there. It's plus money to say that they're missing the playoffs. So, you know, to me that that's kind of where I would go. Obviously all those wins are meaningful, but you think about the NFC, you know, I, I, I can understand why in the marketplace under 10 and a half is, is pricier, you know, far more so. Just because when you look, every team's 17th game in the NFC is a road game. Um, you know, you do have none of the teams are really that great. I don't think you're going to get runaway teams in the NFC, especially with Rodgers possibly leaving the conference. Uh, aside from Tampa Bay, you might not see a 13-win team in the in the AFC. Sorry, the NFC. You might see a bunch of 10-11 win teams. So I can see, you know, I, I can understand why it's priced this way. To me, though, I just kind of want the plus price prop. And I do think Trey Lance sort of like, I think it's going to be one or the other. I think it's they're going to make the playoffs by a country mile or they're going to miss it by a country mile because that's sort of how the nature of this beast works when you, you when you start, you know, an a injury-prone quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo or a, a, a rookie with like a wide distribution of outcomes like Trey Lance. Yep. Yeah, I really like that. I, I do agree with you 100% on that, um, you know, synopsis basically for how we're actually going to play out in that win total markets, especially in the NFC. But we got to do it. We got to talk about, you know, we've kind of been heating up a little bit here um, in the FCS. We're getting down to it. Final four, basically. We got Delaware at South Dakota State, minus eight for South Dakota State, 37 and a half point total. Uh, James Madison, one and a half point favorite over Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State. Got us to the window last week. Um, you know, are talking about fading basically North Dakota State the entire year. Has finally paid off. You know, it paid off a few times during the season as well. But Sam Houston ends up winning outright. Um, what do you got for us this week, though, Eric? James Madison, I believe, was plus 500. We talked about as the uh, going into the playoffs. They're still alive right. here. Um, we it also, like, late night. Uh, we didn't talk about this in the pod, but I did have some Southern Illinois Salukis plus 16. That... Um, they were up by 10 at halftime, almost lost the cover. They were like, blow, you know, uh, 21 nothing right. to start the second half. Um, I think I lost some bets second half on them to cover second half, them to go over. They were at, Their prop was 7.5 points second half team total. They missed a two-point conversion to make it eight. So it was, it was a rough end of the week, but uh, we had a decent amount on Salukis plus 16. 
that that makes me a little worried about South Dakota State because the Salukis have sort of been this team that's been plucky. They shouldn't have been in sort of any of these games. But on the same side, Delaware has been in that role too. Delaware, talked about them. We faded them last week. Jacksonville State minus one and a half. It closed at minus three and a half, I believe. And Delaware beat the brakes off of them. Really like, you know, we're talking about multiple scores for most of the game. Um, that's where I lean in this one. I'll take the eight here with Delaware, especially given the fact that the total of this game has been hovering in that 37 to 38 range. Just a lot harder to extend and win by multiple scores when the total is that low. And South Dakota State, good team for sure, explosive at times. But again, they've let some of these teams hang around too much. The second game, this is interesting. So Sam Houston State was up 17-2 against North Dakota State, gave up two special teams touchdowns to tie the game, um, allowed like a 20-play drive that resulted in an NDSU field goal. They, they, and they had a, you know, they were trailing in that game. And they had a really big play on third down. They scored a touchdown. Defense almost gave up a, a go-ahead score at the end, but they ended up finishing okay. The second straight game, they had to sort of hang on at the end. Um, I'm going to fade that, and I'm going to go with James Madison. I know this number has moved in James Madison's direction. Not enough, in my opinion. I like James Madison laying the point and a half. They've been pretty impressive this playoff, um, and despite coming into sort of an also-ran after kind of a, a ho-hum regular season this spring. Right, right. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I do, I think I would have to go with, uh, you know, plus eight by Delaware playing my favorite bet, kind of as you described. Uh, really low total. South Coast State actually has the best EPA, defensive success rate on EPA um, in the FCS at this point in time. Been really good defensively. Not so great offensively. So I do think if you, uh, um, you know, do lean towards Delaware, it could be another one of those dog under type of parlays or some action yeah. here uh, the, in that first game of the SCS. Fact so. the matter is, is the Salukis moved the football the entire, I don't think the Salukis punted the ball in the second half against South Dakota State. They just had like a, an interception in the end. It, it was really right. tilting having over seven and a half second half for, for uh, Southern Illinois because it was, they moved the ball through an interception, moved the ball, got stuffed on fourth and goal. Uh, move the ball, scored. Move the ball, fumbled at the middle of the right. field, right? Like, it was – South Dakota State was not stopping them, like, as in, like, dominating them. They gave up 20 points in the first half to a team whose team total was, like, 18 and a half pre-flop. And then the second half, you know, they got sort of helped out by the Salukis, really just bailing them out continuously uh, on the defensive side of the ball. If Delaware can sort of finish those drives – then I think this plus eight is is immensely coverable uh, and something I'm excited to uh, to see them do. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. And, you know, they actually, Delaware moved the ball quite well against a team that we thought had a really good defense last week in Jacksonville State as well. I mean, they scored 20 points, 14 in the first quarter, obviously slowed down a little bit toward the end of the game. But I do think that, you know, if they kind of start up hot, it's going to be you know, an easy path for them to cover that plus eight. So let's lock it in here. Uh, this was Ben Brown, joined as always by Eric Eager, another edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. Thanks for listening.